Greetings, Seamheads, and welcome into the latest installment of the 20th and Blake podcast, a Colorado Rockies-centric podcast powered by My Life Sports. We have the whole tandem in the house today. Both Luke and myself are going to be uh, bringing you guys the latest installment of this pod. Second time this season, we've decided to go with the dynamic duo. Looking forward to it. My man, Luke, how are you doing today? I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot better than the entire Rockies clubhouse today. It was um, depressing. Yeah. It you, was depressing. You had a night to sleep on it. What are your thoughts now? Man, I was just laughing out loud in the press box last night, and uh, that entire set of circumstances was just so awful. And, and you know, and I, I have a piece that's going to come out on MyLifeSports.com tomorrow morning. Um, spoke with Nolan Arenado, spoke with Trevor Story, just kind of talking about, you know, the sequence of events that transpired and how you kind of bounce back from something like that. And and they both said, you know, whether you lose 16 to 12 in a five-hour game or you lose five to nothing in a two-and-a-half-hour game, a loss is a loss, you know, all all in all at the end of a 162-game season. So um, from a writing perspective, it was dreadful and it was awful because I, I believe we tapped out at 30 uh, revisions total on the article. So yeah, that was like a, that. Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post had already submitted. Yeah, it, it was, was terrible it was terrible for the writers. I mean... The thing is, this, you know, this is my fourth year covering the team, and this doesn't happen too much, you know, since Buddy Black took over. So hopefully we got it out of the way. You know, hopefully this was the one clunker of a home game that we have to deal with this season. Do you actually believe that, though, when the players say, hey, if we lose 5-3, to three, it's the same as if we lose 16-12 to 12 in 12 innings? I mean, there's no way they can yeah, actually I mean, feel that way. I think there's a yes and no, because at the end, it depends on how you look at it. I truly believe that a, a level-headed team, you know, that wants to go to the World Series, I think that's honestly how they do look at it, because that's the best way to possibly do it. You know, if you dwell, it's not really going to get you anywhere. And, and part of the way that I worded these questions was, you know, are you eager to get back on the on the field tonight to kind of turn the page and, and, you know, put some emphasis on this game? And, you know, I got some mixed reviews and some mixed answers. And, you know, the mark of a good team is just being level-headed and, you know, riding with the highs and, you know, riding with the lows as well. And the Rockies have demonstrated a really solid ability to do that over the past few seasons. So um, that's why I'm really, really excited for tonight's game. But... I mean, obviously, all the stats behind it. First blown lead in franchise history that big in the ninth inning. Um, first time since 75 that yeah. a team has been leading by six or more and then lost by four or more in extra innings. Just all these different stats about how terrible the loss was. But the thing that's not talked about is, you know, you go through your entire bullpen in one night yeah. in 12 innings, and you have Jairo Diaz went – he – didn't really pitch a ton last night, but he rose that pitch count again. He's got four appearances in the last five games. Yeah. And then you have Mike Dunn battling through his issues. You have Wade Davis once again allowing a ton of traffic. This time it came back to bite him. Even Bettis, you know, allows two <laughs> runs in two-thirds of an inning. I mean, the amount of strain that they put on their bullpen last night with two games remaining in the series is just huge. Yeah, and, and you know, like you alluded to, there's still two games remaining in the series, and, and, and you know, this is a momentum shifter, you know, potentially for the Padres. You know, they enter the series, um, you know, not playing the best baseball, I believe a game under 500 or right around that 500 mark, and, and you know, now you kind of strike some life back into them, and, and, you know, the Rockies sitting here with a record of 36 and 33, you know, still three games above 500, that's phenomenal. Uh, not phenomenal, but that's pretty good considering the circumstances mm-hmm. that they faced earlier this season, but, um, you know, 
San Diego's got some momentum. Two games left. Um, you know, you got Peter Lambert on the mound on Sunday. You know, a young guy. How is he going to react? Um, you know, what if he has his rookie start and he only is able to go two, three innings? You know, what are you going to do with your bullpen? So, um, you know, last night's scenario was not the best. They do have an off day on Monday, so an opportunity for everyone to catch their breath. But um, <laughs> it was just awful last night, man. It really was. I talked about it in my column that I put out today, and – this whole entire recent stretch at home especially, I mean, they've been dynamite. They went on that 10-game win streak. You know, they're climbing all the way back from starting 3-12. and 12. And I thought that yesterday was kind of like a warning sign for Jeff Breidich, Bud Black, everyone. Because this team, they're, they're a pretty good offensive team. Yeah. The staff can get it going at times. The bullpen can get it going. But altogether, they are not an elite National League contender right no. now. And I thought, I thought it started to seem like, okay, the talk shifted towards, okay, the Rockies are for real, the Rockies are this, the Rockies are that. And then last night really felt like one of those games where you get this huge red sign in front of your face like, hey, you guys have to do something. Because Mike Dunn imploding was predictable. Chad Bettis eventually giving up some runs was also predictable. Wade Davis has allowed traffic all year and even spanning back to last year finally bid him I mean at what point does does Jeff Breidich Bud Black look at this roster and say last night is not quite what we're going to be but neither is that 10 game win streak that we went on yeah you know and I think you bring up a really good point is you know this team for the past couple you know really since May has been playing exceptionally well both offensively and until last night the bullpen was also really solid and, and you know with that the rotation has also been really you know performing well and you know, I think we might get some answers here. You know, we haven't exactly figured out what's happening, but, you know, you and I both saw Jesus Tinoco in the clubhouse this afternoon. So, um, obviously, some sort of shakeup is coming within the Rockies' bullpen. Um, we, like I said, we don't know who that's going to be yet. My, I mean, my guess is Mike Dunn. But I mean, there's a flurry of moves because talking to Mike Dunn last night, he said he's perfectly – he's perfect physically. Yeah. There's no lingering effects from the injury. Wade Davis didn't seem to have any lingering effects from the injury. No one in their bullpen appears to be hurt, and they were all in there. Yeah. So that means that someone is getting DFA'd because unless you option Diaz, which he's Doesn't been make one of your sense. most successful yeah. bullpen arms, last night I think his real problem was he's been overworked lately and he was not expecting to pitch in that game. I completely agree. And it completely backfired on them. But they just DFA'd Chris Russell, so... And, they, and his leash was really short. I his mean, leash I, was extremely And he short. was good. He had a bad 2018 season, but he was really, really good for them in 17. And that's why I was kind of I was startled when I saw how quickly they pulled the trigger on that. Because and, I'd rather work with through Russell's struggles than Mike Dunn's at this point. And that's, I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking when you said that, is Chris Russell's recent success is more than you can say about Mike Dunn. Absolutely. I mean... Mike Dunn used to be a an absolute flamethrower before, you know, all these pitches were throwing 99 now. That was Mike Dunn, and he had the, you know, 11 Ks per nine, the sub-3 ERA. He was really good. But since he's been a Rockies player, it just has not come to fruition for him. And, I mean, if you look at it, his ERA is 7.13 yeah, it's, already It's unbearable. Year. I mean, he has just been awful. I would... With the role that Chris Russell can fill, especially that long relief role, I just I can't figure out why exactly Russell's leash was so short. 
yeah. but then Dunn, you're just willing to keep throwing him out there. I know he's a veteran, but yeah. veterans also start to deteriorate at some Absolutely. point. They don't pitch forever. Yeah, and one name I think we could bring up too is you know someone that is very familiar with pitching here, and that's Jorge De La Rosa. You know, he signed a minor league contract with the club to start the season. Um, you know, he's been floating in and around down in Arizona, working to get healthy. You know, is he a guy that they value? Maybe a guy you know who has that? He's demonstrated an ability to have success here before. I don't know, but it's just. In my history and in, in understanding the team, they don't like to make trades. They like to rely on internal talent to kind of plug in the holes and, and all that stuff. Um, and, and, you know, if you're going with that mindset, they're really running out of options. And that's a problem when you look at it because if you look at the way their roster's constructed, Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, Ryan McMahon, David Dahl, those are all Dan O'Dowd's guys. Yep. The former GM of the Rockies is the one that brought all those guys together. And since he, since he was not brought back, and they've switched to Jeff Breidich. Nothing has worked out. The Mike Dunn signing didn't work out. Brian Shaw hasn't worked out. Wade Davis worked out somewhat, but he's not been worth the money they paid. Desmond, yeah. Gerardo Parra. There's all these moves that they've made that have not panned out. Yeah. And it's like at, the, at a certain point, do you shift your focus and say, okay, I was able to nab a guy like Herman Marquez in the Corey Dickerson trade. What if they shift their focus towards trading instead of signing because their signings aren't working? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. And, you know, I've written numerous articles about the rotation, but I think this applies to the bullpen just as much. Um, and, and, you know, one thing that I know from talking with people that have knowledge of how the Rockies operate, you know, they really overvalue their prospects and they really overvalue their internal talent. And it really will take – it almost is like it has to be a lopsided deal in favor of the Rockies for them to be willing to pull the trigger on a deal. Um, I remember after Herman Marquez signed his extension – um, Dick Monfort, the Rockies club owner, um, did, a, did a media availability session on the field, and he talked about, you know, I love my kids. I, I want to keep my kids. And, and, you know, he loves that homegrown talent, and that trickles down throughout the rest of the organization to Breidich, to Buddy, all these guys. Um, and, you know, they're, they're really, really reluctant to pull the trigger on, you know, a deal that could substantially improve their output this season. And, you know, I, it's mind-boggling, Luke, but history tells us that they're not going to go down that road. And I've, I mean, I even brought it up. When you have a team that's so homegrown, talking to all the players, it is something that they absolutely love. They love that they came through the same system. Ryan McMahon, Trevor Story, Brendan Rodgers, all these guys have come up through the same system. But at a certain point, being homegrown is great, but at a certain point, there's a reason that all the other organizations in the league are making it a mixture because you can't use all homegrown talent to win a title. No. It's just not possible. Look at the Astros. When they won their title, that Verlander trade was the key to their title hopes. Yes, they had Altuve. Yes, they had Correa. Yes, they had Springer. All these guys they drafted. But that Verlander trade is what yep. put them over the top. They never win that World Series if if they don't bring in Verlander. And that's not to say that the Rockies are, you know, the same caliber of team that the Astros were that year. But at a certain point, you've reached a ceiling with your home run dealing. You, you're year to year with you have three years with Nolan that you're guaranteed yeah. your apex right now is not a World Series even if everything goes right I it's agree it's just not you know, and I'll, I'll take your point a step further I think an excellent comparison in terms of similar situation you take a look at the 2015 Kansas City Royals you know they, mm-hmm. they were a homegrown team with Hosmer and you know all those guys Moustakis and they make that trade for Johnny Cueto at the trade deadline and he kind of exactly. helps overhaul that rotation and, and lock things down you know 
if you're if you're serious if you want to get back to the postseason you know you could probably there's a decent chance you could do it with this club if you want to contend for a world series you have to make moves and most likely multiple in my opinion i just don't think that they're strong enough in that rotation and the bullpen the team that got swept last year is basically the same team that they have this year yes. i mean you add daniel murphy you shift some guys around you shift charlie around you shift desmond around but the team that they would take back to the postseason this year is just about the exact same team that they took to the postseason last year when Milwaukee swept them. And the teams in this year's postseason are going to be better than that Milwaukee team. Atlanta is amazing. Yeah. The Phillies are going to get going. I mean, once Bryce Harper starts to get it going, they're going to be, you know, astronomically better. The Dodgers look like maybe the best, second best team in the MLB. The teams that they're going to play in the NL playoffs are way better than and that Brewers deep. team. And they're very deep. Exactly. You know, that's the thing is the Rockies are solid on the surface, but you see last night when one relief pitcher unravels another and then another, and it's just it's the domino effect, you know, and it's uh, – I agree, you know, and I guess that's if you're a fan of the team, that's got to be frustrating because they have the proper core. They really, really do. It's just some fine-tuning, in my personal opinion, that's needed to help them take this next step. And they need to put it together because if you look at the type of trades they could make, you could trade a guy like Sam Hilliard from AAA. I mean, absolutely raking. But he's an outfielder. He has nowhere yeah, to play on this team. Colton Welker for AA, third baseman. You have Nolan Arenado, and if for some reason Nolan dis- departs, you have Ryan McMahon. So you have no use for Colton Welker right now. And I get it. You can't predict the future. You have no idea what's necessarily going to happen in the next three years. But you do know that if you don't compete for the next three years, Nolan is leaving. Yeah. He loves the Rockies and he loves his teammates, but he also wants to win and he's made it very clear. And he signed that extension because he thought that they had a plan. They were starting to win. It was becoming an expectation rather than you know, an anomaly that they were winning games. But once that stops, how quick does he say, okay, I can get this money anywhere. I'm going to go somewhere where I can win. I mean, it makes perfect sense. It really does. And, you know, Nolan values being in Denver. And that's why I I was shocked when he re-signed because I also know that he really, really values winning. And and obviously the Rockies pitched something to him that made him believe that they were going to, you know, continue to improve. And, and, you know, as Jeff Breidich likes to say, quote, grow responsibly. Um, you know, and unfortunately for Breidich, and you know, you pointed out how a lot of these guys are O'Dowd's guys, you know, a lot of these contracts that Breidich assigned guys to have just been dreadful. Dunn, McGee, Desmond, who although has been playing better as of late, collectively the contract has not lived with the hype. And, and you know, the McGee contracts, the Dunn contract, the, the, the Davis contract, the size of them, these are the, 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 that's the reason why they're unable to go out and spend more because they've already invested so much. I saw a stat the other day. So far for one game worth of wins above replacement, just a single one between every single signing he's had, he's had to spend over $200 million for one win above replacement. To put that in context... Nolan Arenado, year to year, will rack up six, seven, eight wins above replacement by himself. And he's had to pay $200 million, almost Nolan's entire extension, just for one win. And the problem is, at a certain point, you have to be irresponsible. Yeah. I get Growing responsibly, you have to do this, have to do that. But look, once again, I'll go back to the Astros. Justin Verlander didn't look like he was going to be worth the final portion of that contract but he went on a little hot streak they decided to go for it and they got him look at the red sox jd martinez yeah they made him their biggest offseason signing and they 
you know, they've brought in guys and kept guys like David Price, Craig Kimbrell. They brought in Chris Sale a couple years ago. Sometimes you have to give up the farm because a double-A guy may be good right now, but there is no telling what can happen in the next two or three years. But if he's valued like a top prospect, if he's valued like a guy you can get a Chris Sale for, I mean, Yohan Moncada's been good for the White Sox. Mm -hmm. But you mean to tell me you'd rather have Mankata right now and Michael Kopech, who's coming off Tommy John surgery, than Chris Sale? There's no chance. Yeah, it's... You have to eventually... There's a fine line between being completely irresponsible and giving away everything you have. That's kind of what the Angels did. Yeah. And now look at the situation Padres they're in. did the same thing a while back. But the Astros still have one of the best farm systems in the entire league. And they were completely irresponsible with their Verlander trade. They traded for Garrett Cole as well. They've, you know, they've done all these moves that, in hindsight, are amazing. But at the time they were made, people said that is completely irresponsible to give up yeah. that much for a player. And, and you know, I, I wrote a story a few weeks ago on MyLifeSports.com, you know, talking about how the Rockies really need to stop playing for tomorrow and, and you know, grow a pair and go all in because this current set of players that they have is the bet the collectively is the most talent that they've ever had on both sides of the ball, offensively and within the rotation. You know, we've seen guys like John Gray bounce back really nicely. Marquez been solid. Lambert with a strong showing. And like I've been saying, the framework is there. It really is. It's just some fine details that they need to add, albeit, you know, one relief pitcher and then one starter because I think the offense is fine. It's just, it's so infuriating because you know, they're not going to catch the Dodgers. We know that. But they can really give them a run for their money, a la Chicago Cubs, Milwaukee Brewers of last year, if they make the right moves. And if, you, if you're looking at it from a purely, okay, let's make a gutsy move that may or may not pay off, but we need to do something, why don't you go to the Indians and say, Trevor Bauer's been struggling a little bit this year, but you guys also have Brad Hand, one of the best closers in the game. I will give you this huge stash of prospects. Give me Bauer. Give me Brad Hand. Then I have a proven reliever in that bullpen, a proven closer in that bullpen if I Bud Black. And I also have a Trevor Bauer who showed that he could be a Cy Young candidate yeah. when he's rolling. Why not make a move like that? Because at this point, even we've suggested multiple times along with everyone else, okay, go sign Dallas Keuchel. <laughs> Go trade for Marcus Stroman. But is a Marcus Stroman or a Dallas Keiko going to be the deciding factor? Probably yeah. not. It'll Unless help. Kyle Freeland can bounce back to what he was, which is highly questionable at this point, there is no saying if even a Stroman, who is a good pitcher, he's not going to go out every fifth day, though. And absolutely, you can 100% rely on him to shut a team down. Marcus Stroman is not that guy quite yet, and Dallas Keuchel wasn't either. So who's to say if those moves could even make it? I've, I've never been one of those people that wants to overreact. I mean, game to game, it's easy to get emotional about things. But if you've watched the team this year, you've watched Tyler Anderson go down with an injury, you've watched Kyle Freeland completely fall apart, you've watched Chad Bettis have to be moved to the bullpen because he cannot stay in the starting rotation, and then on top of that, you have guys like Hoffman who are hit and miss. John Gray's bounced back. Herman Marquez has had bad starts. Mm -hmm. And then you move that exact that exact chemistry that is within that starting rotation of you not, you're not sure what you're going to get that is present in their relief and yeah. in their bullpen as well. So at some point, you have to say, okay, we need something consistent. Even if it's 
even if it's a starter that can come in and allow three runs each start in six innings, four runs in seven innings, you can work with that with the offense they have. What you can't work with is Herman Marquez giving up eight earned runs in four innings. Yeah. Teams cannot overcome that. And if they do, you're going to have to drain your entire bullpen and you're setting yourself up for failure later in the series, even if you're able to come back. Yeah, and, you know, it's miraculous that you bring up all of these points and then I'll take it a step further with the rotation. You know, John Gray and Marquez of the starting five are the only two left. You know, more than half of the rotation has either been injured, shifted to the bullpen, or demoted to AAA. And, and the fact that the Rockies are three games above 500, considering all of their struggles, considering their putrid starts of the season, it, it's miraculous. It, it really, really is. And and this club is so, so talented. And they just, they've, they've underachieved. You know, they get hot at times, and then they get cold at times. And they just, they need to be able to find and establish a level of consistency. But with their current nucleus, I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's feasible. Well... Do you feel like you've vented out truly how you feel? No, I do. I do. It's just it's not even more so venting. It's just it's it's just frustrating. It's you know? frust- it's frustrating to me that we can see these things as um, obviously we're not brain surgeons as Jeff Breidich would put it, but we can see <laughs> this from the past box. We can see what's happening. But for some reason, I don't know if it's maybe a false bravado about the team, a false air of confidence, but Dick Momford, Jeff Breidich, they're not able to see what's going on with this team, even though it is highly visible. Yeah. But that brings us to the final portion of our show. Let's break into our mailbag. Absolutely. I, the first question we got was, Mark Reynolds, DFA'd. Uh, I, I, so, far, let, so, so far this year... Mark Reynolds is hitting 170, and he has 36 total bases in 106 at-bats this year, four home runs, and a flurry of strikeouts. 41 strikeouts to 18 walks. And I was a big... I, I thought this was a smart signing for the Rockies to make. You know, they signed him to a minor league deal, but... You know, I think you're getting to a point where you might just want to cut your losses. You know, I'll ask you this. Would you rather continue to roll with Mark Reynolds as your, you know, your backup first baseman or make, you know, Ryan McMahon and Daniel Murphy the platoon and then if you need someone else, you could go back to Desi at first? Because, I don't know, I, I just... Mark Reynolds is giving you nothing, and I think a game with McMahon, assuming Murphy's off, like let's just say a game with McMahon at second, um, Desmond at first, and Toppy in the outfield, I, I truly think at, that, at this point that lineup is going to be better than whatever you could put out with Mark Reynolds. I loved the Mark Reynolds move as well, but it was a year too late. Yeah. They thought that they were going to get the Mark Reynolds that went to the Nationals last year, and that's because they are so focused on that past year's result that they are not predicting the future at this point with any of their signings. And Mark Reynolds just hasn't cut it. He's he's slated to make $1 million this year. That is it. Yeah. I mean... That'd be nice. He's That's a, it. He's a great <laughs> veteran in the clubhouse. You see the guys socializing with him. Clearly, he makes an impact. But that impact is probably not enough at this point for him to keep a roster spot. And that sucks to say because Mark Reynolds is a very good guy. He's oh, very he good in that clubhouse, good veteran. But at a certain point, you can't hold on to him, especially when you're not paying him anything. No, I completely agree. It's just, it's dead space. You know, it's, it's two, three strikeouts a game, a double play here and there. And he's just, he's not giving you much offensively. Um, you know, it's a good question, and I, I, I do think at this point, you know, come 4th of July, come trade season where they need a roster spot, I think he's definitely, um, you know, up for grabs. How long, how long are they going to let a guy like Sam Hilliard, who plays outfield, 
which he could probably translate to first base. Let's be honest. Yeah. And if not, move Desmond back to first. Move move stuff around to get him a spot. How long is he going to continue to hit a home run every two to three games before they're like, okay, maybe we should get give yeah. him a shot? Yeah, it would make sense. You know, it really would. And like I was saying earlier, the Rockies really like to rely on that internal talent, so he's definitely a candidate as well. But I don't. I, we saw them call up Peter, Lam- Peter Lambert out of desperation. Maybe they do the same thing with Hilliard. Yeah, I'm. I I have no idea. You have you have a couple more questions as well. Overall consensus, Mark Reynolds probably. Yeah, should you be know, gone. unless he shows you something in the next week or two, I, I think you use him strictly as a pinch hitter. You know, I don't I don't think you trot him out there in the starting lineup anymore. Yeah, I don't think um, so either. Yeah, next question we got is from my Instagram page. Follow me on Instagram at avp.media. From at Evil Army Leader asks, what are the chances that Trevor Story and it, two questions here so. Uh, what are the chances that Trevor Story will make the All-Star game and the same with Nolan Arenado? Um, I'll start. I think it's basically a slam dunk. Nolan, 100%. Yeah. I don't think, you know, you have your you have your Eugenio Suarez, you have your Anthony Rendon, Justin Turners. It's not like there aren't good third basemen in, you know, in the National League. But there's none that have been Arenado this year. I mean, he's been top five in batting average for, you know, so long this season. And I get it, batting average isn't an all-encompassing stat. But to be as hot as Nolan Arenado's been through this first half has just been ridiculous. Yeah. I think the more interesting one, I think we both agree, yeah. Nolan Arenado, I don't see how he's not in the game starting. I think, Oh, I 100%, mean, unless he gets hurt. Rendon's been going on a little bit of a hot streak lately, but I think it's tough to not have him start. Trevor's story's the interesting one to me. Yeah. Because national perception, from what I've gathered would tell you that Javi Baez is a better shortstop than yeah. Trevor Story. That's what I've gathered. And I dove into it on my piece on MileHighSports.com about the numbers are in Trevor Story's favor, yes. both in the field, on the base paths, and at the plate. But for some reason, there's this national perception that I think he's still a little underappreciated. Oh, definitely. I don't even think that's a question. It's just, and for whatever the reason may be, maybe it's just because they play on the West Coast or, you know, in the Mountain Time Zone. But, I mean, he's hitting over 300. He... I believe he, he, along with Christian Yelich, are the only two players in the major leagues to have over 15 home runs and 10 stolen bases. I mean, you're talking, he's in the same category with last year's NL MVP, you know, who is a top five player in the game. Um, you know, I've talked to you about the idea of writing a story about Trevor Story's the best shortstop in the NL. Um, he, he's a very, he's a humble giant. He's a big guy um, who plays the game very hard and, and you know, he, he, he gets things done, you know. He strikes out a little bit too much, but he's a power threat, and he's a gap to he has gap to gap speed, and he's just he's a complete player. I mean, I don't see how you, from the outside looking in, go into that All Star game and not say, "We want our shortstops to be Baez and Story." Yeah, you can bring in you know the Paul DeYoungs guys like that that you know have had pretty good starts to their year, but I can't fathom not having Trevor Story no, to be a part. It'd of be that. a disgrace. And, I could even see him being a part of the home run derby. That would be fun. I mean, it's got to happen at some him point, or, right? The, I don't. Have the Rockies ever had someone participate in the home run derby? Blackman, I believe, did last, last year or the year before went, and I believe Cargo did it once. Cargo did it once as well. They've they've definitely had some guys yeah. do it. Trevor would be um, fun. Blackman was the last one. Didn't do super well because Blackman's a line drive hitter. Yeah, he's not a. I think the home run numbers hide the fact that he's just a good hitter. He's not yeah. a home run hitter. He's a good hitter. Um, so 
you know, maybe Trevor Story makes it into multiple events rather than just one. Yeah, we'll see. It's uh, it's an interesting question, so thanks for those ones, guys. Uh, again, if you want to, Luke and I, we always tweet out. You can follow me on uh, Twitter at Media by AP and on Instagram at avp.media. Um, anytime, you know, usually a day before we record a podcast or the morning of, we really like to get you got your guys' um, perspective, your questions, all that stuff. So be sure to shoot us a, a message over there as well if you want to get featured on this podcast. So. Definitely, and be sure to keep checking on MileHighSports.com. We always have content rolling out. I mean, Absolutely. two to three articles a day. We try to have the best coverage that we can. Um, you can, you know, rely on us a little more than I think some of our competitors as far as content, um, and it's free. Yes, it so is. It is free. That's, that's huge. Yeah, we got you covered from head to toe all across the bases. Um, you know, definitely keep it up with MileHighSports.com on the radio station as well, AM 1340, FM 1047, and in the magazine, which you can pick up at King Supers from Foco to Castle Rock all across the front range. Uh, any closing thoughts with you, Luke? Um, they, they need a win tonight. Yes. They need to not let this become an avalanche. It needs to be a snowball, not an avalanche. Yeah, they got to... I, I agree. You know, a loss tonight would essentially guarantee a split in the series at the worst, or at the best, excuse me. Um, you know, big, big opportunity for the Rockies tonight, I think, to get back on track. Seems like they're rejuvenated to a certain extent, so um, an exciting one nonetheless. But again, another divisional game. And that's what I continue to hound on is, you know, following this series with San Diego, they go to L.A., they go to Arizona, and they go to San Francisco. I don't know what the order is exactly, but, you know, three more series against divisional opponents who they've really struggled against and this season. And then they come back and play L.A. in that first series back from the road. Yeah, so... I- Huge stretch coming up for Anilo Piro, for myself, Luke Zalman. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to rate the podcast on wherever you may listen, Apple Podcasts, on Spreaker, wherever you may be listening to the podcast. Be sure to rate, be sure to subscribe, and leave any type of comments that you may have. Um, help us better it, you know, for you as the audience. So thanks for tuning in, guys.